0: Reading from Limitless Love, October 14th. I'm going to start with October 13th, please. Mm. Limitless Love, October 13th. Fragrant and Free. Articles by Gloria Copeland. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vein dresser, vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken unto you. John fifteen one through 3. All the fruit of the Spirit, including the fruit of love, are abiding within us if we're made... Jesus, our Lord, but for the, that fruit to come forth in its fullness, we have to be pruned. God has to cut away the dead branches of the flesh that clings to us and gets in our way. He has to cleanse us from the stinking thinking we've gotten from the world. How does he do that? With his word, as Ephesians 5:26 says, he cleanses us with the washing of water by the word. He doesn't just wash us once or twice either. He does it again and again and again. That's because, spiritual speaking, we live in a dirty world. We live in a culture driven by selfishness and fear. Our minds are constantly bombarded with the lies of the devil. Like, give someone an inch and they'll take a mile. You have to look out for yourself first. You have to push others out of the way to get ahead. Even when you don't realize it, this kind of thinking is trying to cling to us. It tries to contaminate our hearts and keeps us from yielding to the Spirit's flow. Although selfishness isn't in us, it gets on us and it will hinder our walk of love unless we wash it off. That's why we need to take a spiritual bath every day. God himself would do the cleansing, but we have to get in the water. We have to soak ourselves in His Word and apply it to our lives as He directs. Just as we take a bar of soap and scrub our dirty knees after a day in the garden, we need to pay vigorous attention to what the Word has to say about us. We need to hear it, agree with it, and obey it. Naturally speaking, most of us wouldn't dream of allowing even a day to go by without taking a bath. We certainly wouldn't put off showering for a week. Why? Because we get dirty and before long, we start to stink. When we neglect the word for a few days, the same thing happens to us spiritually. The smell of the world starts to saturate our thinking and we begin to stink. Instead of being patient and kind, we get short-tempered and snappy. We start focusing on what others can do for us instead of what we can do for them. So let us keep ourselves spiritually fragrant and free of that kind of thinking. Let let God continually cleanse us with the washing of the word by the water. By the washing of the water by the word. Amen. October 14. Be glad-hearted today. Be happy in your faith, and rejoice and be glad hearted continually. Always, First Thessalonians 5, 16, the Amplified Bible. One of the most loving things you can do for the people around you is to be glad-hearted and joyful every day. When you're bright and happy, you'll lift the spirits of others. You'll, your joy lightens their hearts. Many Christians, however, don't bother to do what it takes to stay glad-hearted. They don't draw near to the Lord each day and stir up the joy in their hearts. When the devil attacks them with the blues, they get—they just give in to him. When things don't go their way, they—they left discouragement set in. As a result, they are down and sad a lot. They're depressed themselves and are emotional burden to others. Actually, such behavior is totally selfish, and as believers, we have to, no excuse for it. We're commanded to walk in love and to be joyful and glad-hearted. The Scripture doesn't tell us to be happy in our fate when we walk feel like it or when we think things are going perfectly in our lives. They tell us to rejoice all the time. We have the ability to do it, too. If we'll just walk with God and walk in the Spirit, we can walk in gladness every day. One friend of ours who has truly learn how to do that is Jerry Savelle I love to be around him because he always has a glad heart he is so full of joy that he often makes us laugh when we're with him but Jerry didn't just accidentally stumble into that kind of joy he actually rejoiced on purpose he cultivates the joy of the Lord when he travels for example one has to spend days alone in a hotel room away from family He has tremendous opportunities to feel down. Many of those times, he'd rather be at home enjoying himself with the people he loves. Instead of letting that depress him, however, he encourages himself. He'll even tell himself funny things that makes himself laugh. That's one reason he brings such blessings to people around him. He brings them joy because he is so funny and so glad. Some people seem to have the idea that the more spiritual we get, the sadder and more sour-faced we ought to be. But that's not the furthest things from the truth. But that's the furthest things from the truth. God is the most spiritual being of all. On the scriptures says he laughs, Stephania 3.17. Amen. Zephaniah 3.17 tells us, The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee. We rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will rest in his love. He will rejoice over thee with singing. Heaven is a happy place. The people who live there aren't walking around with long faces. They're living and basking in the gladness of of the joy of the Lord. We don't have to wait till we get there to join them. If we'll walk with the Lord and steer ourselves up, we can be continually glad hearted too. All right. October 15th, moving right along. Gloria Copeland, don't take that thought. 2nd Corinthians 10 4 and 5 tells us. For the weapon of our welfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, the weapons of our warfare, <clears throat> to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. That airplane going over the head <clears throat> was a pretty good illustration. Casting down imaginations. I went to a seminar one time and Jack Canfield was saying, if you have a thought like that, you can say, cancel, cancel, cancel. And the thought should fall down to the ground. Or a wicked imagination, you can say, cancel, cancel. Or if the imagination stands up right away and gets up, say it again. Cancel, cancel. And you do that about two, three times and your willpower... Has the power to cast it down. Here it comes again. <clears throat> cancel, cancel, cancel. Doo, 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 doo. I'm just kidding, but it works. Sometimes we think of walking in love in such sweet and gentle terms that we fail to realize we have to fight the devil every step of the way. He is totally committed to keeping us from walking in love because he knows love is the key to our spiritual success. So he frequently bombards us with thoughts designed to draw us off course. He repeatedly reminds us of the offenses of others. He magnifies their shortcomings and pressures us to think badly of them. See, just like the same thing. He's causing me not to read this. He's getting something. Cancel, cancel, cancel in Jesus' name. Amen. If we yield to those thoughts and begin to entertain them before long, we'll find ourselves saying unloving things. We'll find ourselves sharing those thoughts with others. In other words, we'll find ourselves violating the law of love. We can thwart the devil's plan, however, by resisting every unloving thought that comes our way. When we find ourselves getting aggravated and thinking unkind thoughts about someone, we can take authority over our minds and say, no, I refuse to receive that thought. I refuse to give it any place in my mind. I love that person and I am committed to thinking the best of them. Some Christians don't seem to know they can do that. They operate as if they have no control over what they think. But they're wrong. We have absolutely control in our minds. That's why Jesus could give us the bold instructions we find in Matthew 6.31. Therefore, take no thought, saying, We can either take a thought or we can reject it. If we take it, we'll end up saying it. If we reject it and refuse to speak it, that thought dies unborn and we'll never act on it. Our daughter, Kelly, figured out that when she was just a little girl. She absolutely hated to pick up her toys and she did everything possible to avoid it. One day, Ken gave her a firm command. Kelly, he said, you go to your room right now and put your toys in the closet. No, she said, that's not my thought. She knew as a three-year-old what many full-grown Christians still haven't learned. If she didn't want to do something, she could reject the very thought of it. Remember that if you don't want to act in unloving ways, then reject unloving thoughts. Resist the devil by refusing to receive them. Fight him by taking every thought captive to the law of love, and you'll walk in victory every step of the way. Amen, amen. One of the ways that I help people is by putting rubber bands on their left wrist. And every time they act on the thought they shouldn't have acted and then they start remorsing and repenting all over again, I asked them to pull the, the rubber band and sting their wrist and say, I thank God I missed it. I thank God I'm a misfit to act like it's a good thing and keep on doing it. If it's gambling, whatever it is, Just keep hitting yourself. And finally, you'll catch yourself before you have the thought or when you have the thought. The rubber band will come to mind and you'll say it before you do the action. Maybe you'll do the action, but you say it before you do the action or the worry or the thought. Eventually, thanking God is going to be the supreme thing and good thoughts are going to pop up. We're going to win the battle through a little rubber band that reminds us to keep thanking God for any kind of thought that comes out of our heads. And we can surely say, like 2 Corinthians ten four and 5, For the weapons of our welfare, warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Thanksgiving to a thought, either good or bad. I think God just listens to a thank you. He doesn't hear the rest of it. And he just sends his grace as we say thank you. October 16, don't let the devil choose for you. Joshua 24:15 says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 1 John 3 9 tells us that if we are born again, God's nature abides within us. We have His love, His joy, His peace, His kindness, patience, faithfulness, and self control. We may not be acting on those things, but we have them within us. Nevertheless, What we must do is make a choice. We must decide if we will yield to the nature of God within us or the pressure of the flesh and the world around us. We must choose whether to live in love or in strife, in joy or in sadness, in peace of mind or in turmoil. Some Christians never bother to do that. They just drift along in life waiting to see what happens. They wish and wonder and hope they'll somehow end up living a life of love, but it never happens. Whenever I think about that, I remember an advertisement that rang some years ago promoting a particular long-distance telephone service. In it, the announcer said, If you don't choose a long-distance company, a choice will be made for you. That's the way the devil is with us. If we don't make a choice he will make one for us he will push and pressure us into yielding to the flesh so he can lock us into a a life of sin he doesn't really have the power to do it because the bible says that when we were born again sin lost his dominion over us our old man is dead and we don't have to allow the flesh to rule our lives anymore but it will if we don't choose to act on the spiritual forces within us and a decision to serve the lord that's why you're not just doing to that's why you're just not going to wake up some morning without any effort and discover you're accidentally started walking in love no day after day you must make a conscious choice to do it i do that almost every morning during my prayer time i deliberately make a choice to yield to the fruit of the spirit day, that day usually before i ever see or speak to another person i make it a point to draw near to the lord and make my determination i say lord i'm going to be loved rule today i'm going to let joy and peace flow out from within me i'm going to have a good day today i don't wait until i'm in trouble and facing a dilemma before i make that choice I don't wait until I'm ready, half, made, half mad before I try to decide whether I'm going to walk in love or not. I make my choice ahead of time. Then when the challenge comes, God himself backs me up. He gives me the grace and strength to act on the choice I made that morning. He gives me the power to live in his love. <clears throat> One of the ways I do when I wake up in the morning, I say, Okay, God. It is time. I just want to be joyful in you. I want to be happy with you. I want to be humorous with you at my side. Lord, this is the day that you have made. I choose to be glad in it. I choose to rejoice in it. I choose to give you praise and thanksgiving. Now, I don't say all those things. I wish I would remember, but when I first, a few years ago, I used to sing a lot. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice, and be glad in it, and be glad in it. My, my ex-father-in-law that went home to be with the Lord at 96, 97 years old, a World War II veteran this year, he said, every day he would wake up. They would put the curtains back, and they would, he would say, oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. That was the uh, movie from Oklahoma, as many people know. It's a musical. Take a look at it. It brings joy in your life. 1955 technicolor way back then all right we got two more readings october 17th and 18th and i will try to cut down on the comments i'm singing so what happens when you read a lot uh, joy is the byproduct of reading folks it gets us out of ourselves into the author's world and they're looking into the futures here we go again Develop your vision of love. Talking about looking into the future. In Proverbs 29 and 18, the word of God says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Or the word of God. If you diligently study what the Bible has to say about love, it will give you a vision for your life. It will give you an inner image of who you are on the inside so you can grow up into the person of love God designed you to be. Meditation, meditating on scripture truth about love will do for you the same thing. Watching training videos of highly skilled athletes would do for the person who is a novice to a sport. Meditation on these truths give you a picture of what success actually looks like so you can see yourself in that light. Those of us who didn't grow up in homes governed by love desperately need such a vision. Because we didn't see love demonstrated when we were young, we have a tough time visualizing ourselves walking in it. Even though we're born again and want to follow the promptings of our new nature. Because of those old mental images, we often slip into the unloving habits we develop as kids. That's why we must diligently, excuse me, that's why we must work diligently to replace those images with the images of love from the Bible. That's why we must do whatever it takes to keep the word in the forefront of our thinking until the vision of love is fully developed here, there. When we see in ourselves something contrary to it, we must be brutally honest about it. We must let the Word correct us while refusing to allow the devil to condemn us. When we see we're not living up to our vision of love, we must say, Lord, I see I've been wrong there. I repent of that unloving way. Help me to change. Then we can rejoice, assured that the Holy Spirit. Who is our helper and lives within us will enable us to make the necessary changes and do the will of god if you find certain unloving habits more difficult than others to break write down that part of your vision and put it on the mirror on the refrigerator and on the dashboard of the car put forth some extra effort to keep that image of love in front of you if you spend a lifetime being hardened headed and stubborn blockhead You might want to write out the words, I do not insist on my own rights or my own way. I walk in love and post them on your nightstand or you can go to sleep with that vision in your mind at night. That may sound extreme, but the fact is changing a lifestyle takes some work. It takes writing things down, keeping them in your memory and diligently imprinting them on your mind. If you do it, the vision of love will become such a part of you that eventually it will take over your life and you'll begin to walk in it unconsciously. You'll happily and habitually keep the law of love. One of the ways to keep the law of self is to accept God's love. And let me ask you a question. Is God's love just a little bit? Is God love different every day? Does God love to you grow? Does he have more and more and more love? Yep. So the situation is, is an acceptance, accepting and opening up. In the Bible and Psalms, it says, open up you gates, open up you ancient doors and let the God of glory come in. Talking to your soul, talking to yourself, open up you ancient gates, open up you everlasting doors and let the God of glory come in. Let his love stream in. That's why meditation and prayer and reading opens it up. The other way too is to put a sign on the refrigerator say, I thank God I messed up. Okay? And you messed up in the past, in the future, morbid reflection, whatever you're thinking about. If you're doing life, you're going to mess up. In other words, take the wrong turn here and there. If we are habitually pounding on ourselves then we have to reverse it we have we have to let the love in and that's one way you can always remember not to criticize condemn judge or be your worst enemy we are our best friend by saying i thank god i messed up and have some humor and some laughter and some joy and have the op- you open the door of his love Sometimes God wants to instruct us. He wants to teach us. He wants to show us. And getting our attention. So we extremely have to find out if it's God trying to talk to us. Or if it's our own willful doing. That we're bumping our heads in a place we shouldn't go or do or think. Added thought on that subject. Okay, for our last reading now. October 18th. It's no substitute for fellowship do not be misled bad bad company corrupts good character that's something a lot of my friends say well i'm going to go to the pool hall to talk to those friends see if i can strain them out so they won't have to drink and the guy falls to the wayside you know they'll drink soda for a while maybe a couple of months but eventually they'll pick up the beer and then they'll be have shame on top of shame in 1 Corinthians 15:33 again, NIV, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Why is it that bad company correct, corrupts good character? Excuse me. It's because we are influenced by our associations. When we habitually fellowship with negative people before long, we'll find ourselves thinking and talking negatively. When we habitually fellowship with positive people, we soon become more positive and optimistic. That's why, if you want to walk in love, spending time in fellowship with God is the very best thing you can do. Because He is so perfectly loving, the more you associate with Him, the more loving you become. The more you listen to His voice and attend to His word, the more naturally kind and loving your words will be. Without you even realizing it, his nature will begin to rub off on you. His influence will bring out those qualities within you which come from him and you will naturally begin to walk and talk and act in love. Have you ever been around someone who was raised in an area of the country where some people speak in a very distinctive way? If that person moves away after they're grown, they'll often lose much of their original accent. They'll begin to speak more like the people in the area where they're living now, but put them in a group of people from their hometown, and before long, their speech will change. The old accent will be back as strong as ever. The influence of the people from home will naturally bring out the old familiar tones and phrases they used growing up. Suddenly, without even trying it, they'll soon again sound again, sound like the person they used to be. That's what happens to us when we fellowship with the Lord. His presence and His divine personality so affixes that, without even trying, we are conformed to the image of Jesus. We start acting on the outside like who we are in the inside a new creation born with the nature of God. One author who understood that principle was Donald G. In his book, The Fruit of the Spirit, he wrote, Loss of communion is the explanation of most of our failures in spiritual fruit bearing. And no amount of Christian work or even exercise of Christian gifts can ever be a substitute for walking with God. It is encouraging to remember that sustained communion with Christ in our daily walk produces the fruit of the Spirit unconsciously. Others see it before we do, and it is better so. Loss of communion is the explanation of most of our failures in spiritual fruit-bearing, and no amount of Christian work or even exercise of Christian gifts can ever be a substitute for walking with God. It is encouraging to remember that sustained communion with Christ in our daily walk produces the fruit of the Spirit unconsciously. Others see it before we do, and it is better so. Keep that in mind the next time your schedule gets hectic and you find yourself too busy to spend time with the Lord. Remind yourself that His company is what produces the fruit of the Spirit. Only His fellowship can bring out His love in you. Amen and amen. I can go on and on and on. But one of the things that came to mind when I had committed to reading 1 John 1 through 5 for a whole year, and I added John 14, 15, 16, 17, and I taught other of my sponsees in the program to do the same. um, When I went to go around other people, they would treat me like I was, they wouldn't cuss. When they would cuss, they would tell me, sorry, sorry. In other words, I was beaming with uh, holiness and or beaming with de- deity or something because I noticed the way they treat me and the way that I'm treated now, you know, is I'm reading not reading those words of love as much as I used to or reading the Word of God like I used to. So, this is encouraging to keep doing what I'm doing. Someone told me I wasn't going to make it in whatever I needed to do if I didn't read six hours a day. Who reads six hours a day? That was my response. And then they asked me, I said, are you working? I said, no. And today, I started working I started reading. I read read when I was driving semi, read a little passage. Put a little post-it notes, three-by-five cards, recordings, and just read, read, read. Read so much that uh, I couldn't pay attention afterwards. <laughs> anyway, I love you. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming in here. And give them heaven. Give them heaven. Talk to you later. Be blessed. Amen. Oh, here comes those thoughts again.